What is up, everyone, and welcome to an NBA Draft-centric episode of Combo's Court, Corey of No Ceilings, a.k.a. the NBA Draft Dude, joins in to talk Scoot's defense, comparing Cam Whitmore and Gigi Jackson's ceilings, the current NBA Draft trend, and much more. Just a fantastic conversation with Corey, you could catch Corey on YouTube at the NBA Draft Dude. You know you could catch me on Instagram at one two combo. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. Rainy day in New York. What is the vibes, my man? How you feeling? Yo, man, I am stoked to be here. Um, it's been a minute since uh, since we chopped it up, and uh, anytime we connect, I, I always have a good time. It's an exciting time of the year. Um, man, I'm ready to go. Let's let's do it. You know, last time we did talk, it was the mock draft with Pierre, mm-hmm. and what and a big thing that stuck out to me about that conversation was how high you were on Jarris. Because mm-hmm. it was really early. Like, a lot of people were not talking about him. What have you learned about his game over this college season? I mean, honestly, he lived up to just about every expectation I had of him. Like, I knew he was going to be a guy that that wasn't putting up, like, huge box score numbers nightly just because of the situation he was going into. Like, a veteran Houston team that was looking to, you know, win a national championship and him as a freshman, like a lot of times guys in those situations, they struggle to find their footing because maybe they're young, they make mistakes. Um, And he definitely had those growing pains, but he also showed all of the flashes I was expecting. And, um, you know, I, I, I was lucky enough to, to go and see him live and see how he worked before the game. Um, He, he had one of his best offensive halves of probably his season while I was there. So that was nice to see. He hit like a bunch of threes, punished, dropped coverage. He hit a step back. Um, He was a beast defensively, which was pretty consistent throughout the year. And then um, I even talked to Marcus Sasser. I did a film breakdown with him and I was like, what was it like playing with him? And he's like, yo, people don't understand. Like he didn't get to show everything that he has. Like I don't even consider him a big, I consider him a guard. Like his handle is crazy. He could pass. So I mean, I was really happy with my evaluation of him, um, being high on him in the year. And and I think it was just mainly because I look at guys who like look like NBA players, not just physically, but like in style. And he's a guy who is versatile, could switch up and down. Like, I think if you put him in a playoff series, like he's going to be able to handle the physicality, the feel aspect of it. Like, and, and even if he's not a guy who's going to get buckets every night as your star, which I do think, you know, his high, high end upside. If he, you know, maximizes, I do think he has some of that. Cause he's got some off the bounce stuff, but he could fit in everywhere on every team as a, an impact role player. And I think when you're not like a superstar prospect, like Victor Wembenyama, you have to be a high impact role player. Cause like 
even like Paul George is a number two option now. Like, you know what I mean? Like the bar for those kind of guys is so high that I'm looking at guys who can do all of the other stuff and then maybe have some of that upside too. And, and Jairus fit that bill for me early on. It's funny you mentioned that, you know, saying that everybody is basically a high level role player, unless you're one of what, like, I don't know, the eight, <laughs> 12 best players in the league. Like yeah. you said it, Paul George is a, is the second guy on his team and he's phenomenal. Does that make you skeptical about Gigi Jackson? Because when I watch him play, I mean, he is from like, you could tell that guy works on his game. Like that mm-hmm. guy has a bag and he's kind of like born out of the skill development lab. And that's not even a criticism. Like Jason Tatum is kind of like that. Bradley mm-hmm. Beal is kind of like that. But how skeptical are you with him because it seems like it'll be tough for him to find a role, right? Even yeah. though I'm really high on the bag that he has. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And and I've been skeptical of him for a while. I mean, look, you look at the talent at that size, right? And you're like, I mean, you can't, it's undeniable. It doesn't take, you know, a, a high-end analyst to be like, oh, this kid has some tools. But at this point in the NBA, in, in the NBA timeline, you need more than tools. Right. And he is so young and we're like, oh, he reclassed. So that gives him a little bit of time. He's the youngest player. But also, like he put himself on an accelerated timeline by doing that. So, yeah, he's young and he does have time to, like, figure some of the other stuff out. But he's going to the NBA next year. So if he goes into a situation, he's got to deal with a coach that is like, I need to win or I'm going to get fired probably like that's a coach's mentality. So how much patience is a coach going to have? So he might spend some time in the G league. How is he going to handle that? You know, I mean, he's young and and young guys, you know, need to mature, but he had a couple of those moments this season where you were like, can he handle adversity? Right. And, and I think, you know, when I look at some of the drafts with these guys who it's like, they got a bag, they have tools, they have, the size, sometimes that leads to picks like taking Zaire Williams over Trey Murphy or taking Kevin Knox over Mikhail Bridges because you think that these guys, mm. because they're not, they haven't shown as much, they have all of this untapped potential. But sometimes the guys who have already shown that they're good still get better. Um, so I, I think it's going to depend on ultimately where he's drafted and what team and what kind of development and what kind of situation. I know there are some teams that I've spoken to. It's like not going to touch them in the first round. Cause like, we just don't have time to, to mold him together. Whereas maybe if a team that has multiple picks and you could use one on like a guy, you know, is going to help you and one on a swing, maybe that's a better fit for him. But ultimately he didn't show any skills besides as one executive put it, um, shooting the absolute worst shots imaginable every single time he touched the ball. So, you know, like, (laughs) and look, when they go in, it looks unbelievable, right? Like it looks, I would, that's such such an NBA front office statement. It's hilarious. Like like mid range 17, you know, 17. Why, why probably the Suns will lose part of the reason why the Suns will lose to Denver, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, they just don't shoot enough. Yeah, it's a exactly. math game, right? It's a math game. But proceed, game. but proceed. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, he's got to show some of that other stuff. And that's kind of why I wish he would stay. I mean, I know there's too much money on the line. And, like, I mean, and people say this next class isn't, like, super strong. And I agree um, to an extent up top that they're, you're coming off a, a Scoot Henderson, Victor Wembanyama draft, like that top end. 
but there would have been a lot of opportunity for him as a returner to come in and just be like, I'm the best player in this class. And like, I'm going to show now I'm going to show some passing that I developed, or I'm going to show, you know, that I could defend for 40 minutes a game. And he just, he's going to be pushed into the NBA where he's playing against, you know, the best players the game has ever seen almost. So it it's going to be a really hard road, I think, for him to maximize that, that crazy potential that people are buying into. I know from my perspective, if I was a GM and I had a lottery pick, I wouldn't take him in the lottery. I get why other people would, but I wouldn't. Because I think while the highs were, were super high, some of those lows were just like, how much of this is going to be correctable and how long is it going to take? Is it fair to say that his ceiling is higher than a lot of the guys that'll get drafted before him? Because when we're hearing about ceiling outside of obviously like Wemby, the Thompson twins, Scoot, and you could add Brandon Miller um, in there as well. I think you hear like Gigi Jackson and Cam Whitmore a lot, right? Like Mm -hmm. in terms of ceiling, how would you compare their ceilings, them at their absolute best? What do you think of those two and how would you compare them? I mean, it's actually a pretty, those are good names to put together because I think the the two things or the thing I've struggled with with both of them and their evaluation is neither one of them showed like any playmaking feel at all. And it's like, if you are going to be a number one, number two option, I think like you have to at some point leverage that scoring to make your teammates better, right? Because I mean, NBA teams are so good. If you like, maybe in the regular season, you can go off, just go get buckets. But in in a playoff setting, if that's all you're doing, I think teams are going to be able to prepare for that in a way where it's like, all right, well, so how are you going to get everybody else involved so they could help you win a series? Um, And and Cam, I think, had a lot of that same stuff. And and I know Villanova was going through a transition year, moving on from Jay Wright. Um, That team didn't have a ton of shooting. It was, you know, the roster construction was weird. Uh, and Cam showed a, a lot of stuff. And at times I'm like, oh man, he's like a six, six, like power forward version of like Anthony Edwards or something like, you know, like <laughs> I, I, um, but at times it's just like he gets downhill and it's like, he is so focused on just getting that shot up or, or you know, the, as much as he's getting into the paint, it's like, well, the defense is going to collapse. So you got to hit somebody eventually. And I think, I don't know, he had like, 12, 15 assists or something maybe it was 19 assists on the season like something like you get you could get that by accident almost if you're on the court as much as he was so I'm I am worried about that I think if you're just looking at their max their peak or whatever you'd imagine they they figure it out like Jalen Brown figured that stuff out a little bit you know what I mean like he yeah. it, I, I went back this year and I, I I watched all his stuff from Cal and I was like if I was if I was breaking down this dude's game for this draft, I would have been out. Like, it was bad. Like, yeah, you see the flashes, but he made so many different mistakes. But he went to a situation in with Boston that he was able to, like, basically be brought along patiently. I think he averaged, like, six points a game his, his rookie season. And then he learned from, like, a, a really good staff and kind of flipped the switch. Like, you still see, like, sometimes he makes, like, decisions. Like, eh, but, like, that's every player. But he he maximized that, right? And it's like, it's rare to do it, but if you end up in the right situation, you can. I would buy in Cam much more than Gigi because um, I think <clears throat> Cam is easier to fit in with some of the other ancillary stuff. I think he's much, like if he played with LaMelo, I could see him like filling that he, Bridges he moves, role. He, he moves out the ball better too, right? Yeah, yeah. Like he cuts better. Um, I just, I, I would I would have more faith in him fitting in on more teams 
than I do with Gigi, who, I mean, they they both have moments where they're kind of ball stoppers, but like Gigi, it felt more. And he was in on a South Carolina team that, you know, we can make the excuse that like he was the most talented. He had to do that. But like there are guys that even in that situation, I think would still play a little bit more of that modern point five basketball. But, you know, I, I they're both similar age too. like Cam's young too. Cam's really young. So but I, I would buy in on Cam more. I think Cam is going to be a good player regardless of if he like hits his peak. Gigi, I'm a little bit more skeptical of just because I struggle with the efficiency stuff a little bit more. How hard is it? Like you mentioned Jalen Brown and then you hear like a lot of like Jalen Brown and Kawhi comps. Like those are always the most interesting. Cause there's like just so many like guys yeah. who are like six, six, eight and could play D. And then you're like, Oh, maybe if he gets like, a, if he gets a scoring like Kawhi, he could be the next Kawhi. Yeah. Like we, we could hear, we, but it's like so much of this comes down to the work that that player puts in. Mm. So how hard, and I know you have some intel, like, you know, people within the college basketball landscape, the NBA landscape, how hard would it be to evaluate if you just have no intel on how the, how hard the kid works, right? Like it's, it's yeah. like in some ways it's almost like it's a crap shoot. You're rolling. The yeah. Dice. It's like, how do you know? Like, cause Kawhi could easily not turn into Kawhi if he just doesn't put the work in. Right. Even if you're yeah. a great evaluator in, in his college tape, but know nothing about him. Right. He, I mean, he could have not turned into Kawhi if he didn't go to chip England in San Antonio. Because even yeah. if he had that same work ethic and he went somewhere else, maybe that shooting coach doesn't give it's, him those those yo, secrets. You're, you're so right. There's guys that rep out shots for hours and hours and hours, but they're if they're not doing it in the right way, it doesn't matter. Even with right. the work ethic. And yeah. Chip's the, you know, you can make an argument Chip's the best ever in that regard, right? Or at least that's his reputation. So he could have still repped out, worked, 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 and turned himself into a an adequate enough shooter, right? But does that make him a two-time finals MVP type type guy? Um it's hard. It's, it, I mean, so much of the draft is a crapshoot. And, you know, you, you, I guess you, if you don't have that intel, and even if you do, it's still a crapshoot. Like, who knows? Yeah. Like, I, you know, I just went and watched a bunch of guys work out and, uh, over the weekend. And it's like, maybe they were working harder because I was there and they knew, like, you know, like they had somebody to improve. Like, who knows? It's so much of this stuff is there's an, uh, there's like variables and guesswork involved that, you just can't predict until after the player's already been in the league. Kobe Bufkin, why are we hearing so much about him, Corey? Because, you know, back when we actually did our mock draft, around that time, nobody was yeah. talking about this guy. And now everybody's talking about him. What has he been doing to get everybody's attention? Uh, yeah, Bufkin's really interesting. And and I've got him hovering around my top 10 now. So, like, I'm, I'm buying into the hype a little bit, too. Maybe more than others um because mm -hmm. i think around this time when guys who like weren't mocked high early sometimes people like hesitate to like put them too high um but at this point i'm just kind of like all right if i see it i see it that's where i'm gonna rank them i think early on his role wasn't as big as it was now and he's another guy who's even though he was a sophomore he's like a super young sophomore i remember jonathan wasserman put out a tweet like uh early 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 on in the season like oh look out for kobe buffkin and one of the guys at No Ceilings is a Michigan fan. I'm like, you know, Metcalf, what do you think of, of Buffkin? You, like, is he a this-year guy? He's like, yeah, we'll see. Like, he's got some tools, but let's see if he puts it together. Jed Howard's had an ankle injury, like, halfway through the year that kind of hampered him. That's why he his stats fell off a little bit. And Buffkin kind of took over, and it was like he put it all together. And and I was skeptical at first a little bit, and I was like, well, let's see him do it for a little bit longer. And then he he just kept doing it, but – 
when you real when when you watch the tape, he he sticks out because he just plays with that NBA pace. Like you know, you could watch mm-hmm. a guy, and some guys look like they're in the gym with a trainer and they're going through choreography because they're going against cones. And then when somebody I gets mean, in it's their kinda, way, it's kind of like the Gigi Jackson thing a little yes. bit, right? He kind of yes, looks like 100%. he works out against cones. Yeah. Right. Even he, he, he's, he's tough. He's very tough. In yeah. That cause, way, but cause he's yeah. 6'10 and he could, you know, shoot it. So it's like, <laughs> true, sometimes true, it's true. Just like you shoot over guys. right? But right, like yeah. Buffkin is a guy who like, he's able to improvise. You know what I mean? He's like that jazz musician who's just like playing off, you know, the guy, the musicians he's playing with, they could just show up at a club, bust out the instruments and just jam. Like Buffkin's got a little bit of that where it's just like, all right, who am I playing with? Who am I playing off of? Where can I fit in? Um, And then when he took on a bigger role, you started seeing some of that playmaking that he had in his bag. Uh, And he didn't even shoot it that well this year, but like, I'm just looking at the shot. It looks smooth. He could shoot it on or off the ball. I think in the NBA with more space, He's going to look even better. Um, a guy his size with his frame, he he finished like 70% at the rim this year. And it was like 67% in the half court too. So it isn't, it wasn't even like a, an overtime elite situation where you just running up and down, you know, right. Basically playing the third, the, the third, fourth game in a row at LA fitness pickup where everybody's tired. You know, it's just right, like, right, right, right. Ufkin's tough. He's got that mid range game. Um, yeah. He's smooth, man. He's just like, all his numbers are just like, buy into it all the, the tape is like buy into it and he's a lefty lefties just you know they look cooler on the court <laughs> I, I, i'm actually lefty and i raised yeah. my right hand i seen the right? i know the video i see it <laughs> uh how so how would you compare him and hushafino mm, like who, yeah because you know both smooth both get their shot off the shot doesn't drop all the time but it looks nice right. you know what i mean right yeah i got them very close close together and it's like i feel like hushafino's peaks were higher you know, mm, like, yeah. like, like when he goes, he plays Purdue and goes off for 35 or whatever, and he's just killing like Zach Eady and drop coverage. You're like, oh, that's like crazy NBA bag. So it's like, you could see him really. It's hit. not like, it's not like a sleeper guy. Like, no, he's like, you're he's just a guy, you know? Yeah. He pops like, he, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you, you notice him on the court. Um, I, I was really bummed. I went to see Indiana at Rutgers and it was when he was dealing with the back issue. So he didn't play. Um, so I didn't get to see him live this year, but, uh, he's just like, he's got that, he's one of those guys, he's got the size, he's got the look, he's got the, he went to Montverde, right? Like he's got the reputation. He was just a little inconsistent. And, mm-hmm. um, I buy into that he is going to fix it. Cause I think like he's got smooth jumper mechanics. He's just got to kind of hone them in a little bit, stretch it out. I think he shot the three better than people expected this year, but the free throws, like, you know, you're like, all right, he's still got work to do. Um, I couldn't fault somebody for taking one over the other. Honestly, I think there's arguments both ways because like the production was there for Kobe, but he had a second year in college, right? Like he already knew the speed of the game, like the physicality of the conference, like uh, an off season to work out with the team and figure. You know, he he was comfortable with the offense. Where Huchfino, you know, you were coming in as a freshman, you're learning all of that on the fly. But I, I think they're very close as prospects, and I think they both are, like, the modern guard who, like, kind of tall, plays with good pace, can get to their spots easily. So I think they have a lot of similarities as as much as maybe they have a few differences. Yeah, it's important in today's NBA to be a taller guard because in the playoffs, you almost have to be able to guard everybody. Like, can yeah. you guard anybody? Can you guard everybody, right? That's the yeah. question. So uh, this is why I wanted to get to this topic. Scoot Henderson, 
Mm-hmm. Everybody talks about his offense, and obviously he has the tools defensively. You know, he's strong. He's obviously super athletic. But, you know, in today's NBA, if this was 20, if this was 10, 20 years ago, he's not a smaller guard, really, right? But in no. today's <laughs> NBA, in yeah. today's NBA, he yeah. is. Yeah. It's just the fact of the matter. How do you project him defensively in the NBA? Because, you know, we look at guys who are super elite on offense, you know, Trey Young, Luka, and the defense sometimes comes back to haunt him. So I think it's For a sure. fair question to ask. How do you feel Scoot's defense will be at the next level? So I I was really impressed with Scoot's defense last year when he was a 17, 18-year-old mm. playing in the G League for the first time. And not even just like the on-the-ball stuff, which is like if you have athletic tools and you lock in, like and you have like he's got like a six nine wingspan or whatever, and he's strong. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, like you could give somebody a problem. just if you're looking at like the highest points and like I think with somebody that young you do look at a lot of those highest points and weigh them a little bit higher because you're like oh he can get there right um but what impressed me the most was like he would rotate over as the low man and be in position he would like uh contest at the rim with verticality he would x out like on time and that stuff was really impressive I think this year they had a longer season like this. This was like a they played like 50 something games. Right. So it's a little bit different when you got to like do it every night. I think the the G League games in general were kind of like, I don't know, they by the end of the season, I don't think the intensity was crazy high, um, crazy high there. And I, I feel like Scoot with the longer season taking on a bigger load of the offense, he was in and out with injuries and stuff. I, I don't think he was like as locked in defensively as he was maybe the first year where he was, you know, maybe playing off of Dyson Daniels and Jaden Hardy, guys like that. This, I mean, um, this, this almost happens to every basketball player that ends up taking on more of a load. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's like hard. You, you could put like, you could point to Michael Jordan and Kawhi Leonard, but those right. are anomalies, right? Like, yeah, that's basically like almost every basketball player that ever lived. If there was somewhat more of a role player at one point, they're going to have more energy on defense. Yeah, for sure. But to your point is like in the playoffs, while he is only what like six two, six three, right, whatever, right, right. he is. I mean, as far as guards go, he's as strong physically as. Are those pictures be real? I, I don't know. Some <laughs> of those pictures I see, they don't look real. Yeah, like, like I, he's just an absolute freak. He's an anomaly yeah, like, yeah. physically, uh, and he has the wingspan. I don't think from a defensive standpoint, and he's competitive. So, like in the playoffs, I think if a team was like, "All right, we're just going to target him," I don't think that would work. You know what I mean? Like, I think you could target Trey just because oh, you think, yeah, I know you can, I know you can, <laughs> but like he doesn't have as hard as he's going to try and he needs to try harder, but like as hard as he could try, he just doesn't have the physical capabilities 100% to, to do it. It's that's just, why it's almost more frustrating with Luca for some people because he's right, a big, because strong guy, he's right? big yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and that's like, dude, just please work out yeah. a little harder, right? Take it a <laughs> right, little right. more seriously. Leave, could... the, leave the hookah alone once summer. <laughs> yeah, it's just, that's it. <laughs> um, but I think Scoot has that, like the physical gifts to be able to avoid that. So if, if he's as special as we think he could be offensively, at the very least, you know, it's like Donovan Mitchell when he locks in. He's so strong. He's so yeah. athletic. He's long. When he's locked in, you can't, target him you can't take advantage of him when he's not locked in obviously we've seen what what could happen but he's able to hold up and and hold his own and actually thrive when he's locked in I think Scoot's going to be similar to that it's interesting you mentioned the Cavs because that's a team that you might look at if you're a 
draft guy, right? Or if you're a decision mm-hmm. maker in the NBA and say like, this didn't really work in the playoffs with two smaller guards. Like, right. should we draft a small guy? I'm not talking about Scoot. I'm just talking about throughout the course of the whole draft. Like we rather would have like the six, seven guy who's versatile than a little guard in a lot of ways, right? No, for sure. I mean, look at like OKC, you know, like yeah. it's like SGA, Jalen Williams, Josh Giddy, like they're yeah. like, the magic are somewhat like that. I mean, you got Suggs, yeah. but he's such a he's like a defensive guy, even though he's smaller, you know. And he's still like six four, right? Yeah, like, that's true. That's you know, true. and Fultz is like that six five, six four, six five, two, and he's strong and long and athletic. So even them, like, you know, it's it's just really hard to be a small guard in the league today. Like it's really hard. And you know what's funny is like I like a lot of the like some of the smaller guards in this draft. I love Marcus Sasser. Um, I love Mike Miles. So like there are some small guards I would like be willing to take a chance on, but I think like they, you really have to at least bring a baseline level of like defense at this point to kind of hold up in that regard. So I tweeted, I think Brandon Miller is going to be the second pick of the draft. I mean, I was, I've been high on this guy for a long time, right? He was like, another guy in the, in the mock draft that we took in the top five, like, Early before, beginning of right? the season. Yeah, early. Before, I mean, yeah. Before he went. And there was like, like I talked to Keandre about this like way back. Like I, I saw him like in like the 16s, the 20s before the season. It's crazy. I was like, this, this guy has to be, he's going to jump up the boards. And then I was like asking people in the middle, he's like, is, is Scoot and Brandon going to become a conversation? And most people were like, nah, I don't think so. Just nothing yeah. against Brandon, but Scoot is that good. And then I finally see it become a conversation. So I'm going to ask you like, if a mm-hmm. team like Detroit, is drafting. I know you always want to go with best player available. And if you feel like Scoot's the best player available, go with him. But I mean, you got a guy like Ivy and obviously you got Cade. I mean, who do you draft in that situation, Corey? I, I moved Brandon Miller to number two on my board oh, a little so while I mean, ago. So, yeah. You know, like I think okay. I, do th- I do think it's still a conversation, but you know, for a lot of people want to talk about like Brandon Miller hitting his, the trouble he had finishing. Um, Scoot had finishing issues too. And I think you're like, oh, well, he was playing in the G League, but like all of the best rim protectors are in the NBA. Like, I don't think there's like a, a crazy level of rim protection. Yeah. I mean, sometimes those go, like it, it's a very tough league. Actually, it's more talented. Oh, crazy, than, crazy it, talented. It, but, but I mean, like the, sometimes the score is like 150 to 160. Like, it's so, an NBA style. It's still it's, like up and yeah. there's, there's still space, it's still up and down. Right. Right. Um, obviously, it's, you know, it's like, the Euro League too, like they're guys, they might be, maybe aren't the most athletic, but they're smart. They know how to rotate. Well, it's, a, it's, it's actually a lot hard. Right? It's it's actually a lot harder to score at Euro League, right? Oh, like, for sure, tough, for yeah, sure, tough, for sure. Tough, tough, but yeah. just like, um, I, I think like, that, like Mike James would probably average like thirty five in the G League, forty. Like <laughs> he probably averages like seventeen in Euro League. You know, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So I, but Brandon Miller also improved like crazy, finishing um throughout the season, and he ended up like getting really hot. And I just think. It's not even so much that it's a wings league now, which it is. We talked about how much size matters, but like he's also a dead eye shooter. And I, the things that I think people don't talk about enough of him, that dude can really pass the ball. Mm-hmm. He can yeah. really pass the ball. Like he's doing live dribble stuff, left hand, right hand. Um, he's got a mid range game that he was known for in high school. That he took two mid range shots this year because that's the style that that Alabama played, where it was very just like to uh you know at the rim or threes so he's got which more was probably stuff. good for him right That's for sure good for, because yeah. because he wasn't known as a three-point shooter right coming right. into the year and then it was like oh he this kid is a actual like yeah dead eye shooter 
And then he he's a he's competitive as hell. He's obviously resilient because he dealt with a really tough situation and then went out and you know dropped forty that night. <laughs> in right, a, in right, a tough, right. And he with some tough left handed finishes, you know, in the overtimes at the hoop. Um, I would definitely have to think about it. But as of right now, I and I loved Brandon Miller coming into the year. I didn't understand just like you why this six nine guy who could dribble, pass, shoot, defend was, right. you know ranked where he was but one thing i've learned because i just got back from hoop summit where i spent a week with like all the top high school guys i went to the iverson classic last night and high school evaluations and rankings need a complete overhaul when it comes to projecting them for for the league just a complete overhaul like i there's Do you feel there's, like there should be a committee i <laughs> I don't know if, if there needs to be a committee, but there needs to be an intervention somewhere because I, I think when we and don't get me wrong, a lot of these places that are ranking them are ranking them for like how effective they could be in college. But we look at those rankings and then we we put that towards a mock draft. And then you look at some of these rankings early on. And you're like, oh, there's like six, six, two guards here. And we just went on a whole discussion about how hard it is to thrive in the NBA. So, like, if you're a, a really high. uh you know, ranked guard in the, at the high school level, you have to be the like your potential has to be through the roof. Are you taking the ball out of Dame's hands? Are you right. taking the ball out of Steph's hands? Are right. you taking the ball out of Trey's hands? No, right? Like, are you taking right, the ball yeah. out of Dejounte Murray's hands? Or are there's just a team that we don't have anybody that size? Like, <laughs> like so, there's just less spots for you. There's less spots, and yeah. so I when you like, there's a kid Omaha Blue who's going to um, Iowa State. And I don't know where he's going to be ranked, but it's definitely not going to be high enough. This kid's 6'7", built like a a brick house. Like, he looks like he's OG Ananobi already. And it's like, I just watched him work out for a week, playing a game. Like, definitely didn't have eye-popping numbers there, but some of the stuff I saw in practice, the competitiveness, the way he's able to defend so many positions – um he can shoot yeah. the ball a little bit. I saw him work like when the game was over. I'm just like this kid's get his ranking is going to be too low and it's going to look silly and it's going to be like, "Oh, he can't believe this kid came up and blew up out of nowhere when it's like so obvious if you're in, looking at how are these guys going to look in the league versus how do they look in college." So basically what you're saying is that a lot of people who are making the rankings, no shade to them, are looking just like how nice these guys are instead of how does their game translate to the NBA level? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and I think like, and then it's just like, all right, well this outlet ranked them there. So I don't want to look silly and rank them lower than that. And then it's just like groupthink takes over. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You know? And yeah. it's just like, all right, well some kid who's going to Kentucky has got to be top five. And it's like, does he? Like, yeah, he, he doesn't like I know he might have been X state player of the year, but like. He's, he doesn't have to be ranked there like you, we could look at it, we could evolve our rankings as the NBA evolves. It's it seems very old um, and antiquated on how they're doing it right now. So as a New York, have you seen Ian Jackson play? Not in person. Not OK. In person. Any any film? Yeah. Yeah. OK. So, yeah, because I'm getting like. Like I'm a New York guy, and obviously I hear about him since I'm in New York, but I'm getting yep. like varying opinions on his NBA potential. How do you feel? Um, man, I, I, I put me on spot. I, 
I haven't made up my mind yet. I would lean yes versus. Oh, oh, wait, you're just talking about NBA in general. Yes or no. What like is he going to make the the league or not or like how high is his, all that his stuff? That, that's what that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like all that stuff. Yeah, I I, I would say he's he's got a shot. I, I mean, I, I like his game. He's smooth. Um, he's a kid that I I did want to see more of this year because he's what the Bronx, right? He's like right, he's yeah. playing the Bronx. Um, I think he's got like better size. Uh, I think he's got a good frame to fill out. Um. He's smooth. He's athletic. I, I would, I would say, I'd buy into him more. Whereas, like, I didn't want to like. I'm not like a DJ Wagner guy. Okay. You know, like to me, like he's the type of guard a little bit more so where it's like I don't really see the shot working out. I don't think his handle is as tight. I don't think he's as athletic as he needs to be. And he's in the top five of all these lists. And I don't see it. Um, I want to see it because I, I loved his dad, uh, as a yeah. player. And oh yeah. I, you know, I, and and honestly, coming up, I'm 36. I'll be 37. I come came from like the N1 mixtape generation, growing up in high school. Like I want to like those guys, but I'm also trying to be good at my job. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Ian Jackson, I buy a little bit more than a guy like that. Uh, I think he's got a little bit more. I buy the shot, making a little bit more. I think Ian Jackson is just a little bit more skilled I, I think his game is a little more nuanced as a playmaker um but more so guys like that like rob dillingham i mean you know he's not like cr- hot, ranked crazy high but he's so tiny and like he went off against ote when he went there. i don't know it's like it's it's definitely nuanced um isaiah collier is kind of like a shorter guard i buy him a little bit more um i think he's got a shot because he's like a football player he's maybe yeah like (laughs) he's got he's a little bit more athletic he's got a little bit more burst so it's definitely nuanced but it's harder now is what i'm saying and i think it just we just kind of need to change the way we look at it because in high school all these guys just they can get buckets because they're the main guy on their team but like like Gigi, like how are they going to look when maybe they aren't the most talented guard on their team like do they have the the skills to play off i like i think ian jackson does have some of those skills to play off of other guys okay Fair enough. We've been through a lot of trends, and I want to end with this. It might have been a question we should have started with, but we'll end. Mm. We'll end with it. What if you had to take an elevated perspective? What NBA trend when it comes to the draft? NBA draft trend? Are we in right now? Like we had the high school era, we had the international era. What do you feel like we're in right now? Hmm, that is a good question. I feel like we're in the intersection of size and feel era mm. um anthony no matter, black that's no, what comes to my, yes comes to my no mind. matter where it comes from <laughs> and i love anthony black i just spoke to it i saw a couple of guys um work out this weekend i was talking to them like all right you played against this guy what did you think of them you played against this team what'd you think of them and then they were to ask me they were like yo what do you think of anthony black because he was tough when we played him Right. Um, so like he's he's the guy that like when you talk to the players, they're like, that was the guy, right? Uh I love Anthony Black. I, I wrote an Me article too. on him for no ceilings. Um I mean, a, a guy that size, like he could connect the dots, he could be your connecting piece, he could be your point guard. And it's like if he gets the jumper, he's a star. Just like a straight up. Like, oh, yeah. He's star, a, he's right? almost like to make it simple for somebody, it's not like a perfect comp. He's a more athletic but less shooting Tyrese Halliburton. 
That's exact. And I use Tyrese Halliburton's film yeah. in, in my article because yeah. one of the things I've been doing this year is I've been trying to um, clip up guys uh, that are like mimicking like movement patterns of NBA guys. Mm-hmm. And there, I just I had like an entire folder's worth of like f- frame for frame plays from Anthony Black and Halliburton. Now, like you said, like Anthony Black pressures the rim a little bit more with his mm-hmm. like his athleticism. Mm-hmm. Tyrese Halliburton did it with his outside shot, but like right. the playmaking stuff, the pace, very very similar. Right, right. Corey, great stuff, man. Thanks yeah. for taking the time. Where can we find you? No ceilings on YouTube. I know you, you know, you back in the day, I remember some great YouTube stuff like ESPN throwback stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Remind me of the childhood. (laughs) Yeah, man. I look, I, like I said, kid of the nineties, you know, like born in the eighties, that sports center stuff last year I was doing those things. I tried to stay mysterious with the age, Corey. Yeah. Well, you know, (laughs) I mean, um, those things took so long to produce. Um, because I was like great screening. Yeah, yeah, great. I I was pretty proud of those things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm probably I'm gonna be doing some some stuff leading up, some more scouting stuff on my personal channel, which is the NBA Draft Dude. Uh, been doing a lot of film breakdowns on the No Ceilings NBA YouTube. Uh, breaking down film with prospects. We just Jalen Clark, Colby Jones, CD Sissoko, the G League Ignite, um, uh, Marcus Sasser. Uh, we got a bunch of guys coming up that we're gonna do. Uh, so that, that's something I've been focusing on. You know, I, some people know, some people don't, I used to, uh, be the video guy for Mike Schmitz, um, before right. he was, uh, hired by the the trailblazers. <laughs> and so even honestly, up until the day he was like, ESPN announced this, I don't know what's going on. You can keep working on the videos right now. Cause I don't know when I'm starting. So, uh, I used to produce those film sessions. So it only felt right that I took them, I took it over and, uh, and, and kept that you know, going because I thought it was such a valuable thing for the draft and scouting community to be able to get, you know, the perspective of how the players actually see the game. So I've been, I've been really focusing on that and that's on the no ceilings, uh, YouTube channel, uh, the podcast, no ceilings podcast. We've been five days a week. We have five different shows on the, on the platform, uh, the draft act, which is my show with, uh, my co-host Albert that's on Thursdays. Uh, and then we write at NoSealingsNBA.com. It's completely free Monday through Friday, delivered to your inbox if you subscribe. Uh, so, you know, our guy Nathan, Draft Deeper, uh, he, he likes to say No Ceilings is everywhere. And, I mean, we've been traveling. We're on the road. You can follow the Twitter at Corey Tulliba. Like I said, I'm posting videos of being in the gym with prospects as they work out, different tournaments. Um, during the year, I'm at the, at the games posting you know, videos and, and clips and stuff. So that's, that's pretty much, you follow me at one of those spots. You'll feel, you know, you'll find the rest of the stuff. Thanks for taking the time, Corey. Talk soon, man. Yes, sir. My pleasure. Anytime. There it was. Another episode of combos court is in the books. Don't forget to rate review punch down on that subscribe button. Big shouts to Corey for joining in just a fantastic NBA draft centric episode of combos court. Appreciate you all and be on the lookout for another episode of Combo's Court. Combo, out.